Alright, well, good morning, Vietnam. I don't know what day this is in real life. July 6th, episode 24 of The Chiss Ascendancy. Today, we are talking, if you can't tell by my ears, you've asked for it, not really. We're giving it to you. One person asked for it, and it's all just I need it. That's true. It was requested by one person. Shout out, Christian. Uh, today we're talking about Jar Jar. And um, you know what? This last weekend was July 4th weekend. USA. USA. But something that we've lost the art of in this country is being able to agree to disagree. You know? Either you agree with me or you're uh, a Nazi or a fascist or a, an idiot. You know, I guess idiot's still in play. But uh, we wanted to have an episode that was a little bit more, um, maybe, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? We don't have to agree on everything. Contentious. Contentious. What's, I guess it's like uh, two opposing views. Um, I don't know. There's a word that was in my head. But anyway, today we're talking about Jar Jar Binks and uh, just kind of going over the life and times. We're here today to celebrate the life of Jar Jar Binks. Any news? Oh man, news. Um, off the top of my head, new. Uh, I know that they did announce. Oh, here's some news. Um, they announced an entire uh, reading line of stuff based on the Mandalorian. Yes. And so there's going to be um, there's going to be a novel and i don't know if it's a prequel or if it's a different story taking place during season one or if it's just a novelization of season one i don't know but that'd be cool mm-hmm. um and get uh, a little backstory on din Djarin. oh yeah yeah yeah. i mean like more than we have i mean we have flashbacks but there's a whole lifetime there in my I mean, in my mind you said din jar and and i was like did he just say din jar instead of din car yes din Djarin, the name of the mandalorian um that would be cool. I would like to get a little bit of a backstory. Yeah. The reason I think it's not going to be a prequel is because uh, season one was riddled with flashbacks. Yeah. And I feel like they don't want to unpack that. Then again, they but, probably... I mean, like the like, original trilogy of Star Wars had a bunch of flashbacks verbally. We still got the whole prequel series. Yeah, but later. That's what I'm saying. The novelization will come up before season two is all the way out. Which will have more flashbacks. But mm-hmm. if you're Star Wars, if someone cares enough to pay money... To read the book, they're still going to watch the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I would love to get a quill book called The Work of One's Hands. It's just the story of him working his butt off in Cloud City or wherever he was to become free and train his son Tommy to become a fighter. That's a Nick Nolte joke. There was three. Dude, that's a great movie. If you haven't seen the movie Warrior with Nick Nolte and Tom Hardy in it, be prepared to cry. Oh, it's so good. Um, let me see if I took a screenshot. I didn't cry, but I feel like somebody would. I don't think I cried, but I remember being very excited. I It was more, not even like the end of it, but the Nick Nolte's breakdown is what got me the most Okay. Let me see. I had a list on here of... I guess I don't have it. But um, there's... Um, all kinds of stuff happening with them. It's uh, There's going to be like kids books. And then the one that I was the most, um, 
I guess, excited for, which is kind of funny. Obviously, I'm a huge, like, I want the novelization. Um, but there is going to be a junior novel. So I guess they've been releasing, like, okay, here's the novelization for The Rise of Skywalker. And now there's a junior novel, Rise of Skywalker. Stuff like that, where it's, like, I guess for young adults or for kids. Um, but the... The thing that I was the most interested in was the junior novel of The Mandalorian, which I'm, like I said, I'm assuming is the same story as the regular novel, is going to be written by Joe Schreiber. And if you don't know who Joe Schreiber is, he's the guy that wrote Star Wars Death Troopers, Star Wars Red Harvest, and also Star Wars uh, Maul Lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so all three of those are, those are some of my three favorite books. I just recently read Lockdown. I think you read it right after I did. I mean, I read it like um, a year ago. Did you read it before me or after me? I can't remember. I don't know. It was a while ago, though. It wasn't recent. Yeah. I think it was. I think I read it, and like as I was finishing it, you were starting it or something like that. But we read it back-to-back one way or the other, and we both really liked it. Yeah. Um, so he's really got some great stuff. Do-do-do-do-do. Um, oh, man. There was a, I had a list on here of what it was going to be. Let's see. But there was a bunch of um, cool things. Oh, like The Art of the Mandalorian is coming out. Um, so if you're a fan of those extra things, there's the art books that are um, concept art for... I didn't know if it was a conceptual piece. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like The Art of War or if it was actually... No, no, no. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's stuff like The Art of the Last Jedi or The Art of the Force Awakens, like stuff like that. So um, I think I've gotten every one of those except for Rise of Skywalker because usually they come out the same day as the movie and I hit up Barnes & Noble as I'm leaving the movie theater and I get it. Um, but they waited a while this time until it got out of my... Beyond your grips. So I couldn't I couldn't get it. That was a Phil Collins reference. I watched Tarzan recently as my kids. But um yeah, so Art of Rise of Skywalker, I don't have that one, but like the Rogue One has a really cool Blast Points just did an episode about the art of Rogue One. Um and it's a really cool um like concept art of K2SO just like looking into the you know quote unquote camera. Anyways, it's really cool stuff. So um Art of the Mandalorian is gonna be really dope because it has such that that middle ground like it's a western but it's star wars and it's got the original trilogy feel to it but it's got you know the new technology and mm. so it's going to be a really cool mashup of all those things mm. that's the major news that i can think of from this week um so today we're jumping into the very controversial probably the maybe oh i don't know maybe not the most disliked character now that other things have happened but for the long time, the least favorite character in Star Wars history. Maybe ben Shapiro's second least favorite. But um, close to a lot of folks' hearts, including mine. So today we're talking all about the man slash Gungan, the myth, the legend, the orange goo, Jar Jar Binks.
Okay, so um, very interesting concepts coming from the backstory of Jar Jar, who he is, what he is, why he is. He's a mystery, man. I don't know why he is, but I'll tell um, you what he is. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know. I just think I'm such a huge fan of the weird things in Star Wars. And um, like the Cluehorn Cantina Caper, not a fan. But that character in A New Hope, I love. Kabe, where it's like, remember they're at the bar and this is little bat and he's like, <laughs> he's asking for a drink. I freaking love that thing, dude. Um, so just weird stuff like that. Um, I love... Remember watching Empire Strikes Back for the first time and you've got all these characters and then you have this crazy lizard with disgusting toes. Bosk. I love Bosk. I've always loved Ugnaughts, even before they were like a thing with Rebels. And of course, the Mandalorian made, you know, the first, I guess, English-speaking Ugnaught. Um, so basic. I, yeah, basic. I've always loved the, the most beautiful... To me, sides of Star Wars are the parts that don't feel like Earth. Because when I go in my mind, whether I'm reading a book or playing a video game or watching a movie or listening to a podcast or whatever, the best thing about Star Wars is that it kind of, it's an escape from reality. And so the alien side of things has always fascinated me. It's kind of what made Star Wars stand out to me. And um, the ability to create a world where there's aliens... But it feels relatable. I don't know. Sometimes, and maybe it's because I grew up on Star Wars, but sometimes when I'm watching other other things, um, you know, like the Alien movies or Predator, like, they're good, but I'm, I don't feel homey with them like I do when I'm watching Star Wars. I think uh, Marvel's going to come out with a line of Predator comics. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Predator's cooler than Alien. I just, Alien's just, I just, it's a cult classic, like if you saw it growing up. But uh, that must be how some people feel watching Star Wars. Because I watched it and I was like, oof. The first one was really good. Okay. And then you get to Alien 2. And I was like, this is okay. And then Aliens, the third one was bad. And then the fourth one is just god-awful. It's terrible. Um, and maybe that's how people feel about Star Wars who haven't grown up with it. And so that sucks. But, um, but Jar Jar is one of those things that... I don't know. He just has a soft place in my heart. So um, so part one of the discussion is going to be uh, what were our initial thoughts back in the day, 1999, um, over 20 years ago. The Phantom Menace uh, debuted in theaters, and um, it had very mixed reviews. And uh, a lot of people say that's their least favorite Star Wars film of all time. And um, so... What was your thought in 1999 when the movie first came out? How old were you? Four. Four years old. So that would have made I would have been six at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, what were your initial thoughts? You come out of the theater. What were your thoughts about the movie? And what were your thoughts about Jar Jar Binks? You're really asking me this? Yeah. 21 years after it happened, uh, have, I remember thinking you have a great memory. Uh, yeah, I got nothing on this because. I was four. I feel I like... It wasn't as impactful and as of an event for me at four years old. I remember being a little bit older than that and getting in trouble because we had the box set of episodes four through six. Uh-huh. Mom would only let us watch Star Wars at special times when she basically needed us to just shut up for like three hours. And I gave her back the box set, but I kept episode five. 
and I put the sleeve back in the box set, and then Mom caught me watching it like two days later, and I got in trouble for that. I remember that, <laughs> but I don't remember my first time. Okay, but I'm not saying like your initial... Okay, when you think back to that time of your life, what are your feelings towards episode one? I mean, I've always liked Phantom Menace. I'm mm-hmm. not one of those people that just hates it indescribably. I, I guess, in general, I'm a Star Wars fan for Star Wars' sake. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Star Wars is as Star Wars does. I'm not trying to like analyze it as a movie critic, where they're like, "Oh, that plot was weak, and the character development sucked, and I just I couldn't get behind that cinematography." And I see one more lens flare, I'm gonna crap my shorts. You know, I just <laughs> I couldn't care less about that kind of stuff. I'm all about the the theoretical and the philosophical, and there's a lot of good little nuggets like that uh-huh. in, in the Phantom Menace. That was where George Lucas gave life. To the idea of midi chlorians, which has been very formative in my thoughts about the Force. Um, which is funny because people who were our age now or older hated the idea of midi chlorians because um, the Force was supposed to be something that if you if you seek it, if you train yourself, if you discipline yourself, you open yourself up to the Force. You know, it surrounds us, binds us together. Like it kind of. The original trilogy makes it feel more like the Force is available to anyone. And the reason Han Solo doesn't have the Force is not because he doesn't have a certain number of midi-chlorians. It's because he doesn't believe in it. You know what I mean? Like I guess so, but at the same episode time... Episode 1 kind of undoes that a little bit. I guess at the same time, I've always thought of it, even before I really got a hold of the concept of midi-chlorians, I thought of it as kind of like almost classist. You know what I mean? Like, it's just available to certain folks and it's not to others. And I remember thinking about that because Luke says, like, I have it. My father had it. My sister has it. You know what I mean? He's li- he's listing off specific individuals that have access to the Force. And it's not necessarily just available to everyone, even though it involves everyone. That's true. I think in that conversation, he's finding a way to tell her that she's his sister. But he still says it that way and it still makes sense to her in a way that she would be able to access the idea of, wow, I have this certain... Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I think, to me, when I see that scene from The Return of the Jedi where they're in the Ewok village and she's like, what's wrong? And he's he's troubled. I think it's a way of him saying, you know, the Force is strong in my family. So... Right. But even that, just one statement is basically saying that the force is more available to others than it is to some yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean to me it's kind of like i guess growing up i thought of it before i really understood midi-chlorian count and somebody just starts so far ahead of you um i really kind of thought of it as like athletic ability like you could grow you could you know lebron james's son he's lebron james's son so he's gonna have more athletic ability right off the shoot than most folks but you could have somebody else who has an average family and just works their tail off, you know, hmm. like a Russell Westbrook, who's both of his parents are like five seven or five eight or something right. like that, and he just, but he's the hardest worker in the room, and he had this growth spurt. Now he's six foot three or four, but he also works his butt off to be. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. To me, I thought it would, it was more accessible. Anyways, but I understand the concept of mini chlorians. But I'm saying people who grew up with the original trilogy didn't like the idea of. There being a, you know, like you said, like a predetermined, you have the force and this person doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it isn't everything. Well, I don't know. It's kind of like, 
Avatar the Last Airbender, where some people are benders, some people aren't. You know, but yeah. at the same time, you got Iroh, who's borrowing wisdom from the other bending cultures to improve himself. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not canon now, but in Legends, there were people who kind of gained more of an awareness of the Force, and even if they weren't as strong, they could still interact with it, still be, you know, Force-aware. You mm-hmm. know, there were, I forget what it was, but it was in... Um, I think it was when Talon Card was hunting down that one guy that double-crossed him like way back in the day. Georges Cardass. Yeah, and he had become part of that order of the monks that touched into the Force differently than a light side user or a dark side user would. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're way off track. That's kind of where I was at for... Uh, that's where I'm at for the the Phantom Menace, and I feel like that's kind of where I've always been at. Like, I'm, it's always just had a special place in my heart. I've never been on board with the... The hate. It's a terrible movie train. I've never been on board with the Star Wars movie was ever bad. And the only one that I ever went, no, I do like this, was The Last Jedi. And the only reason, and I think it's because of social media. Because I see all the negativity and I I get, you know, I want to join in the chaos. And I'm like, yeah, this part sucked. But there's a lot of stuff I like about The Last Jedi. But I remember growing up, I, I loved The Phantom Menace when it came out. And I loved Attack of the Clones when it came out. When I was... Oh, I remember my mind being blown. I guess it was like 2002. I remember Dad not liking Jar Jar. I remember that. And I remember Dad hating the aspect of George Lucas focusing at all, even a little bit, on a love story. Yeah. And Attack of the Clones. Like, that was his biggest beef. Yeah, he hated Anakin, basically. But he also hated Mace Windu, who hated Anakin. Yeah. You would think the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. So, when you were little, you know, the movie comes out when you're four... The next movie comes out when you're seven. You know, all the... I remember being a lot more attached to Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I didn't put any stickers on the inside of my closet on the wall from uh, The Phantom Menace, but I had that Anakin sticker on the wall of my Mm -hmm. closet until we moved, and I couldn't get it off because it had literally been stuck there for like a decade and a half. (laughs) So you don't remember your feelings of Jar Jar when you first were... I remember thinking he was funny... Because Dad was so irritated by him. Like, that's mm. that's where 100% where I was at. Because mm. I really thought it was funny that he hated him so much. And it was funny to me to mimic him because Dad hated him so much. And he'd be like, hey, stop that! Like, that's hilarious. I, you know, it's funny that you're just, you're saying this because this is the first time that I'm under, I, I, I my whole life I thought when you were little you really genuinely liked Jar Jar. I'm a I didn't realize individual. that you were so vindictive so young. You should have known from the golf club incident that I was vindictive from a young age. Yeah, but that's different because there was a personal offense. We went and played golf one time when we were little, and I was getting ready to hit the ball, and my dad was telling both of us, hey, when someone's going to hit, you get way away from them. You don't want to get hit by the backswing or whatever. So anyways, I'm hitting the golf ball, and I'm looking you know, ahead of me. I'm right-handed, so I'm looking you know, towards my left. And I pull back, and I can't remember if it was in my backswing or if in my follow-through. I don't know. But I hit the crap out of Samuel on the head with a golf club. And then he's crying. I feel terrible. We're probably like five and three, like even if we were that old. I don't know. We were, we were little kids. And um, which is funny because that golf club was probably like this long back in the day. But in my mind, it's still a full-size golf club. Um, but probably eight hours later. I'm watching The Jungle Book in our living room at home, and I'm doing the little kid thing where I'm on my stomach like this with my feet in the air behind me, and um, and I'm just sitting there, you know. And I saw an opportunity. About, you know, talking about the bare necessities of life, 
And Samuel comes in like freaking Jaws from behind me. And he had went and got a I got the exact golf same club one. out of the garage. The same one that I hit him with on accident. And in my mind, you know, obviously I didn't see you walking up behind me. But I imagine you're just dragging it on the floor behind you. <laughs> like a psychopath? Like freaking Jason Voorhees or something. And uh, he hit the freak out of the back of my head with his golf club on purpose. So Samuel is very uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of old covenant Hebrew kind of guy. Think about my connection to the forces a little more with Anakin, where I killed the women and the children. Um, but I didn't think, I, I really thought growing up Something that I've really had to work to move away from. Your, uh, yeah, growing up I thought that your love for Jar Jar was genuine. Yeah, empathy was not a strong suit as a child. Okay, well let me tell you where I was at. When I was uh, six years old, The Phantom Menace came out. And it was the first Star Wars movie that I saw its first time in theaters. And I, rem- I remember they re-released episodes 4, 5, and 6 leading up to um, The Phantom Menace. And I remember seeing those in theaters. And uh, loving Star Wars from a very young age. I remember Dad would go out of town for business, doing sales or whatever. And then he would come back and he'd usually have like a, you know, a little gift or whatever. Because he'd be gone for like two or three weeks at a time sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the first memories i have of giving him giving us like a present when he came back was he gave me you and sean star wars t-shirts and you got a luke skywalker and his cool hoth speeder gear and sean got darth vader and i got some guy and i was like who the freak is this and he's like oh that's boba fett he's the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy and i was like sick and that's where my love for boba fett started and it's never gone away so that's kind of cool but um so I remember seeing those in theaters, but then I remember thinking, even though I was six, I remember thinking, wow, it's really cool that this is the first time this Star Wars movie is in theaters and I'm getting to see it. Like, it's not a re-release. You right. know what I mean? And uh, and I thought Jar Jar was the bee's knees, dude. I thought he was awesome. I love. I always, I always remember being more... You always loved Obi-Wan. I, I was always more attracted to Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon as, like, character interests. Mm-hmm. Um I remember thinking uh, Jar Jar was goofy because I didn't have an evolved enough sense of humor to be like, oh my God, this is so annoying. Yeah. But yeah, knowing dad hated it was the icing on the cake. I thought, I really thought he was genuinely funny. And I remember for years, for years after this, because when when the movie came out, we were still living at our old house. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have a pool. And I remember going up, visiting friends and like, what the heck did, um, what was that guy's name? Brad? Brad Bradley? Brad Bradley, yeah. Where do you live? He lived in that apartment complex uh, off of Yeah, but before they moved down here, when they were first working... It's like somewhere outside of Dallas, I feel like. Yeah. And we went up there and they had a a pool. Yeah, probably somewhere like southwest of Dallas where there's some more hills. I remember them having that big hill that you fell down and got cactus in your butt cheeks. Well, I fell down the hill because it was right next to the pool and I was screwing around by the pool and fell into the cacti. So whoever surrounds their pool with cactus, you hate your kids. They had kids that were our age, and they were like, <laughs> let's put cactus here. Anyways, I remember jumping off the diving board and being like, yeah, what, what, what? like trying to like do Jar Jar's freaking flip. Um, so I remember really liking Jar Jar, and I remember um, going to Blockbuster off of Kingwood Drive. and Blockbuster, guys. What yeah, I know. That? What is that? I'm an old man back in Blockbuster days. But I remember going there, and as we're checking out, of course, there was a ton of Phantom Menace memorabilia, and there was a Jar Jar piggy bank or something and i was like dad i have to have this and he was like no i hate jar jar and i remember we begged him and begged him and finally he got me and you both that one of those jar jar toys or something one of my things that i remember the most about 
Blockbuster is that I saved up to buy my own copy of Spaceballs because mom wouldn't get it for me. And then she found it in my room like two years later and stole it. Like a lot of things my mom took that I spent my own money on. I'm still upset. It's my money, mom. Yeah, Spaceballs was good. It's classic. Um, So what do you think it is that made him age badly with young fans i mean initially like people like our dad like they didn't like him right off the bat what did did you were you annoyed by him adam when you first saw phantom menace or were you just think he was weird i thought it was weird um initially i thought it was weird and kind of out of place hmm. just the character just mm-hmm. because of what we you know what we've seen so so serious yeah the first the the original trilogy are they have silly moments yeah well, even in the prequel trilogy, there's not a lot of, like, ha-ha, knee-slapper crap like what starts up in the sequel trilogy. They but definitely there, needed that comedic relief. There was so. there was definitely some subtler humor, though. Like, Obi-Wan, I didn't grow to appreciate his his jokes until... Yeah. I didn't even know they were jokes until I was, like, in my early teens. You know years. what, though? Like, looking back on it, The Phantom Menace is so serious. And, like, imagine you're George Lucas and you go... Yeah, I'm going to spend a couple hundred million dollars. Uh, there's a movie I want to make about a trade dispute. It's uh, it's pretty happening. You know what I mean? Like, this George Lucas sounds just like George W. Like <laughs> My George W. Bush? Yeah. We can probably go to Whataburger afterward and get a spicy ketchup. Mama loves some spicy ketchup. So does Daddy. Man, if Ronald Reagan was still alive, he would love spicy ketchup. Um, anyways, so... Um, I mean, it makes sense. Like, imagine if you're our age growing up, four or five or six years right. old, and it's like, oh, sweet, no humor. I love this trade talk. Yeah. Like... I see, and I really didn't fully appreciate the story of The Phantom Menace until I started to flesh it out with the books and the Clone Wars series, where the political side is really opened up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, but it's still tied into the main story and how it's... What's so funny, though, is you think about... Uh, Plagueis is what really opened up the story of the Phantom Menace for me. Right, but the The average person is not going to read that book. Right. So it's interesting because so many people hate on Jar Jar, and there's a lot of people out there, and I don't understand this view at all, but they get annoyed with the pod race scene. Oh, that's like one of the best ones. And I'm like, dude, you know why... You don't like Jar Jar, and Arr! he's obviously, you know, you got he's, that golden gym? he's humor for kids. For nothing else, if you... Is he on the sound thingy? No, I don't think I have raw. <sighs> I can look. You've uh, got to have raw. But, yeah, that's one, that's one of my all-time... I make that noise just out of the blue. Like, I'll just be living my life. I'll be having, like, an eight-hour road trip, and I'll be in the car by myself, and just for, like, 20 minutes, every once in a while, I'll be like, Rawr! Because I'm just thinking about it. I can't remember the name of that pod racer that dies that way. You've got to have it on the soundboard. So anyways, I just think that he's much more necessary to the story than people think. Um, And so part two. So initial thoughts. You liked him because dad didn't like him. I genuinely liked him. See, like, I mean, I don't think it was purely spite, but that was, that's what... Pushed it. Yeah, that's what took it over the top. Um, So what's not to love? What do you think it is that makes people dislike Jar Jar so much? And I'll go first while you're looking for that. You know what I think it is? I think it's peer pressure. I think it's just part of what started the prequel hate to begin with. Because when the prequels came out, they were beloved. You know what I mean? And then as, like, maybe seven years later, like, people really started to unpack it. And it just became more popular to hate the prequels. Here's the thing also. And people don't even have really reasons why, like, people be like, oh, the prequels are trash. And I talk to people in college and be like, give me reasons. 
Yeah. And they really couldn't. And the first thing they say is Jar Jar, and then you say why, and you say he's annoying, and I say, okay, why is he annoying? Ironically, I don't think I have Rar, but I do have uh, Excuse Me. That's funny. Um, There's this passage from the New Testament of the Bible where Jesus, Jesus asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they say, oh, you're a prophet. Oh, you're Elijah. You're Moses back from the dead. And they're, they're repeating everything that the crowd is saying. And then he says, okay, now tell me who you say that I am. And what he's done is he's pulled out all the learned knowledge, right? And then finally he says, so who do you say that I am? And everybody's silent because all they really think about Jesus is what they've heard about Jesus. And then Peter, the apostle, says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the one that we've been waiting for. And Jesus tells Peter, my father in heaven has revealed this to you. I say all that to say, a lot of times when people say they hate Jar Jar, it's just because that's what they've heard their whole life, and they don't really know why. So there you go. That's too deep. That's a deep cut, huh? Um, But I think that... Another happy landing. Another happy landing. I didn't... um, To me personally, I think that um, the only time that I can think of in my life, and this is so sad and I'm ashamed of this, but I remember being in middle school... And um, it was not cool to be a Star Wars fan when I was in middle school, okay? All you young people out there that are like, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and you're like, yeah, I've always loved Star Wars, I'm a big fan, you know. You did not have to live the life that I had to live when I was a Star Wars fan in middle school because it was not the cool happening thing. And I think that it became kind of a point of like... I mean, I guess bullying is the term, even though I hate to use that word. But um, I think that... I always thought of myself as too rambunctious to be bullied. I, I think that I was like... Uh, like I just gouge your eyes out. I no, you nobody, nobody like, you know, gave me a wedgie or like gave right. me a swirly over Star Wars. But they would be like, oh, that's so dumb or that's so, you know, whatever. And Jar Jar would be a point of ridicule. You like the movie Jar Jar's and then it sucks, blah, 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 blah. And that was the only time I can remember distancing myself from it and being like, no, no, like trying to, you know, stay cool. And uh, I think that was, you know, sixth grade and part of seventh grade. And then halfway through seventh grade, I was like, why do I even give a crap what anybody else thinks? And that's when I came back into my Star Wars zone and really loved Star Wars again. And then in high school, I was distracted by women. They robbed me of my time with Star Wars during high school. And then I ended up meeting my wife in college. It was a complete waste of time in high school. I could have been doing Star Wars things in high school instead of running around with a bunch of idiots. But um, so I think people just maybe it's his voice. Do you think that if Jar Jar, same character, had a different voice, do you think he'd be perceived differently? Or same I feel voice? Like it's more of his actions. I think it's goofy. just a combination. Um, I think the idea of a just like consistently clumsy character is obnoxious to me. Yeah. Because it's yeah, like Yeah, maybe it's the maybe it's the the movement more than the the voice. It's not even the way he does it, it's just what he does. Cuz Chewbacca's voice is pretty, you know, you can't understand anything he says. It's literally oh, like that's not normal, but I think that Chewbacca is so cool. Yeah. With what he does. Because he's not constantly knocking crap over. Yeah. So you think he's just so it's basically a perceived. Okay. This would be imagine annoying. This would hanging, be annoying to be around. Imagine you're hanging out with somebody who's like Jar Jar, regular voice, but they do everything that Jar Jar does. You would hate that person. <laughs> you would want that person out of your life. But dude, I remember being a kid, and, and it's watching even hard for me to scene. appreciate that kind of character. Like even just like, oh, here he goes. Look at these. Oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He tripped over that. He got his tongue numb. 
You know what I think it is? I think that I know myself. I can't speak for you, but I find myself like um, a show where they are uh, doing a prank or something. It's hard for me to really, really like that kind of show because I get stressed out for that character. Does that make sense? Like I put myself in their shoes. Like the movie Money Pit. I was sweating bullets that entire movie. Yes, yes. Like, my dad's generation finds that kind of humor, like, oh, he's got a concussion. Like, they find that really funny. I'm like, God, those hospital bills. Yeah, exactly. He's going to have to pay that insurance. Exactly. Now his insurance rate's going up. He's got to file that claim. He's going to be doing that for at least six months. Like, I'm thinking about all that crap. Right, the real-life application. So it's hard to... That's stressful for me. It's hard to appreciate that humor. So I think that's what it is. Although, to this day, I think it's dope that he can reach across the table and get those apples. Bro. Can you imagine sitting at the table with that, though? Yeah, I hate it when my dog does stuff like that. Yeah. I don't even like it when Kylo looks at my food because he's stolen food off my plate No, before. imagine if he was Whoa. sentient and was going with his yeah. tongue. Yeah. But um, I think I think that's part of the reason. I think that, yeah, his clumsiness. Um, and what's weird is, I guess, uh, there's not really a section for this, but... Um, I think one of the reasons that he was that way, and as you're filming, especially George Lucas being an independent filmer, being someone who is, um, it's his schedule, but he also feels pressure to complete at a certain time. You know what I'm saying? Like he's kind of a, he definitely holds himself to a very high standard. He's going to make the movie he wants to make, but he wants it to be excellent. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, I've read multiple articles, and I don't know if he says it or there was, but I've seen it multiple times where Jar Jar was going to be this bumbling idiot, and he ends up being an assassin. And for a while, they had Jar Jar being the character that ended up killing Qui Gon Jinn at the end of the movie, and not Darth Maul. See, I would have respected that a lot more because his clumsiness would have been an act. So we'll get a little brilliant. We'll get a little bit more into that in a few uh, in a few minutes, Um, but. Then they brought him back, and you know what? I think part of the, I think part of the reason that I appreciate Jar Jar and I don't like the hate is because in in real life I feel really bad for Ahmed Best, the the actor that plays Jar Jar. I feel really bad for um, the all the crap he went through as a result of the backlash from him being Jar Jar. Does that yeah. make sense? Well, and I don't even. I wouldn't fault the actor because he was just doing what George wanted. You know what I mean? Right, but or he like, definitely got he got a ton of hate and right. like dealt with a lot of like depression and suicidal thoughts and stuff just because of so much, so much backlash and like, imagine your first like big break in life because he was like on Broadway and stuff, but his first like big movie role was he was going to be Jar Jar Binks in Episode One. You're working with George Lucas. The only Star Wars you've ever seen is the original trilogy, Lightning in a Bottle, the best three movies of all time as far as a trilogy. And then you're like, yeah, absolutely, I'll sign up. Oh, he's an important character? Oh, for sure. The first CGI character? Oh, man, this is amazing. Motion capture? Like all these groundbreaking things. And then everybody goes, yeah, you're the freaking reason that Star Wars sucks now. Like that would be – that would suck. And especially if you're a fan, which I believe Ahmed Best was a fan going into this whole thing. And so I think I, 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 my feelings hurt for the human being, Ahmed Best, and I feel bad for him. And I want to tell him, dude, as a kid, I freaking love Jar Jar. Don't, you know, don't, keep your chin up. It's going to be okay. And that empathy I now feel towards Jar Jar. And um, 
So yeah, I compartmentalize all those things, and it allows me to still oh, Star- see the actor as a person and still hate the character. Star Wars <laughs> is, it, it all bleeds in for me. It's kind of like what I was saying about, like, in my mind, in my Star Wars mind, Darth Kytus slash Jason Solo and Kylo Ren both exist, even though they're two different story timelines, which, if the rumors are to be believed, is still a possibility. I don't know. We'll see. From YouTube but, uh, user Doomcock DVD whatever. I could not get through that the other day. I could not. It took me about 35 seconds to say the word Doomcock on video. It's still funny. Yeah, I was laughing with you. Anytime you watch the news and they're like, yeah, Anthony Weiner, I'm like... Yeah, Josiah's wife. We were watching the yeah, Epstein yeah. series. And anytime they would say Anthony Weiner makes you go... How did you not expect that guy to be a sicko with the name Anthony Weiner? I'm just surprised he survived middle school. Because I was there, That's bro. where his mental and breakdown my, started. Middle school was a rough. I'll get you back. I'll get your daughter back. And my last name Freaking was not Anthony Weiner. Weiner. Dude, what a trash human being. Anyways, um, so he was brought back for the Clone Wars, and, and Ahmed Best played him again in the Clone Wars, and I really, really liked that. I really liked the fact that they brought him back on board. I watched... Obviously, I watched all the Clone Wars, but yeah. when I go back to rewatch, I skip those Jar Jar arcs every time. Dude, but think about it like They're the he stops thing. the second droid invasion of Naboo on Thede again. He stops the Blue Shadow virus, which was going to destroy the clone army. There's just so many things that he does that are important. I don't know. I feel like his he's just I'm trying to think of a proper analogy. I can't think of any good card ideas because this guy keeps. Farting. Um, please don't spit on my computer. Um, but heads up. <laughs> I told you I'd warn you. Yeah, but nobody knew what that meant. Heads up. <laughs> what if I did that? Heads up, and I was like. <laughs> A freaking fart. I like how you explained it like nobody knows. <laughs> uh, well, I, I meant to explain that it would be a real fart in that instance, not me making a fart sound. Um, but I do love that Star okay. Wars never really gave I came up, up with on... a good analogy. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. The Office, where Michael Scott thinks he's going to stop them from closing the Scranton branch, and he's parked outside David Wallace's house the whole day. They're practicing scenarios where they're going to, you know, surprise David Wallace, and they're going to talk him down. And something happens, and the branch gets stopped from closing because somebody in Stanford, you know, does a double cross or whatever. Right. And then Michael and Dwight think they're the ones that did it. They're like, oh, we did it. Mm-hmm. We saved the branch. That's Jar Jar. That right there is but Jar Jar. But it's funny. You know what's funny? he doesn't actually do anything besides ruin everything that he touches. I mean, he does do a lot of stuff. Yeah, but it's not on purpose, and that's what pisses me off. That he just, like, bumbles through life. Well, here's the thing. Here's what's funny, though, is Jar Jar is so disliked for his clumsiness and his, like, annoyingness, and yet Michael Scott is everyone's favorite office character, and he is the same person. He's the same character. He accidentally fixes things. He's like, when they're like, hey, let's have a diversity day at, at 
the office and he's like, okay, let me do my Chris Rock impression and use like a racial slur. Like, that is Jar Jar, but for the office. That's what's so funny to me. But here's the thing is and that, that he just, does that verbally. He doesn't trip into a droid and destroy it on accident. But he's pretty. He's his, pretty his physically actions, awkward. Yeah, but for, for me, most of it is the mental awkwardness. I can get over that. It just, to me, it goes back to and it's some, everybody, it's peer pressure. Everybody doesn't level. like Jar Jar, so nobody likes Jar Jar. Everybody loves Michael, so everybody loves Michael. I'm talking about the vast majority. I know you're capable of making your own decisions. But to me, that's what it is a no, lot of I times. think the Jar Jar hate is valid. I don't Even know. Even if it's not peer pressure. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've given you several good reasons why, I feel like. I'm not, I mean, you're going to hold to your own idea because that's what you do anyway, but... I that's feel what, like I that's defended... literally what everyone does. No. I don't think that we've ever argued and we've both presented valid points and either of us go, I've changed my mind. That's not how either of us work. Yeah, but you said everyone, and that's not true. Obviously, when I say everyone, I don't mean all 7 billion people on the face of the earth. I mean the average fan. Yeah. The majority. But what I'm saying is that I don't, think, I don't think it's just peer pressure. I think... The hate for the prequels in general caught a lot of traction, but I think people have reasons that they don't like Jar Jar, and I think he's just a grating character. He is the physical embodiment of nails on a chalkboard for me. Maybe it's because The Office is supposed to be cringy and comedic, and it I think it's about the intent. I think it doesn't feel... It feels weird that that style of humor is in Star Wars, which at the end of the day is more serious than comedic. Right. And see, Ricky Gervais was talking about... The Office. Jar Jar is Michael Scott, though. To Jerry Seinfeld, and he was saying that the reason The Office is funny is because he's doing everything he's doing to show off because the camera is there. Otherwise, it would just be some idiot doing stuff. But the fact that there's that element of the third party being there and that because person it is knowing a, it, it's a documentary, right? He's like, that's what gives it that little that little twist. Hmm. Maybe. But I do think that they're the same character, essentially. Accidentally doing things lovable, even though they're super annoying. Like, Michael's not a good boss. You know what I mean? He loves his people, but he's a terrible manager. I don't know. He's number one in sales. Because he has good salespeople. <laughs> it's the same he's thing. He's also a good salesperson, though. Well, I don't think Jar Jar was a, uh, a Jar Jar sold good the Clone Army to the entire Senate. Do you really think he was Jar Jar? Right, you're, um, you're memeing right now. He Let's be real. casted the vote. The vote passed. Okay, but he didn't sell it. He was just a puppet, like everything that he does. If you go into the logs, it's going to say, Senator Jar Jar Binks, representative of Naboo. All in favor? Which also, let's I. talk about the incompetence of everyone else involved there. <laughs> let's because, talk about... Because how, Padme who, knows who Jar Jar is. Who else was running? She's watched him... <laughs> Which he's not a senator, but he like steps in for right, her. Right, but who gave him that power? Padme, your That's favorite character. Saying. She's not my favorite. Natalie Portman is a dime. I will live by that till I die. <laughs> Jar Jar's a dime. <laughs> hey. No, don't touch this. Don't compare Jar Jar to Natalie. Um, I, in real life, I would definitely sooner hang out with Jar Jar than Natalie Portman. In You're real life. Crazy. Bro. For sure. You are... Okay, nobody's going to agree with you there. But uh, <laughs> uh, just listen to her talk about literally anything in real life. 
I don't listen. I just watch. That's the point. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed I have to cover myself up with my ears. <laughs> but let's talk about who put Jar Jar in that position. That's, that's her fault. Padme did. That is Padme's fault. She she effectively ruined... She's the She's like opposite Jar Jar. Like, she's competent and she's doing right things and just ruins the galaxy. Like, she created Vader by dying of sadness. Yeah, you want to talk about Jar Jar ruining things? Padme's pretty responsible, I would say. Yeah, you're not having to convince me to the point that I just made. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it's it's ironic. It's ironic. Yeah, but Padme's, I'm having this revelation right now that Padme super is, loved. is like and the, she's, the yin to Jar Jar's yang. Well, well, I guess when I'm loading this one up to SoundCloud, I'll have to mark it as sexually explicit. <laughs> it's spelled with an E. Okay. Here's the sad part, okay? I guess that empathy that I'm talking about... Um, I've read the Aftermath trilogy by Chuck Wendig. Pretty cool. Um, Chuck Wendig did comics for a real long time. And so I really like his writing style because yeah, it's very... I don't feel bad about Jar Jar's ends at all. I feel like he deserved it. Okay, well, let me tell what's going on first. I'm just getting my feelings out there. I didn't tell anybody what happened. So... But he deserved it. Here's how I... I really like his writing style because he's a, he's a comic writer. So he's... Um, he's... I've never written a manuscript for a comic, but I imagine you have to be very... Either you have to be very uh, explanatory in your writing... Or you have to have a very close relationship with the artist. But his writing style makes it very... Excuse me. Um, we've talked about this before where as I'm reading, I'm visualizing things. And you say you don't do that. Yeah. It's different for me when I'm reading a book. Like I don't typically... I have like... I don't even know how to describe it. I don't have a clear mental image of the things that I'm reading. So Darth Vader's in a fight. You don't see him fighting in your mind? I So... Vader is like one of the few exceptions because there's a visual because representation he's so iconic and it's consistent throughout. Okay, let's so say, let's say like Harry Potter, uh-huh. the way that I see Harry in the books, because the way he's written in the books and the way he's played out in the films are two very different people to me. Mm-hmm. So like my mental image, I don't see Daniel Radcliffe if I'm reading those books. I see Daniel Radcliffe because my work's done and I can just move on to reading the rest of the book. Yeah, I just see like a different. I just have like a, it's like hazy, it's not clear, but it's like a different idealization of that character. Right. So the reason that Chuck Wendig's writing is easy to read a lot of times for me is that he's very descriptive. And so um, I was reading the Aftermath trilogy as they were coming out, really ultimately reading, bought, listened to all three of these books, just looking for Snoke. Joke's on me. Mm-hmm. And um, there's even a character named... Um, Snake. <laughs> no, Snoop. there's a Snipe. there's a character named um, Gallius Gallius Rax, and I was like, oh my god, this is him, but it's not the case. Um, okay, so there's uh, we talked about this with the Cobb Vamp episode a few weeks, months ago, whatever how long it was, and there's those interludes that have different mm-hmm. stories, what's going on in the galaxy. Again, very cool, and I like I think part of that's because of Chuck's writing style. Um, but there's one that's on Theed, Naboo, the main, if you don't, if you're not familiar with that city, that's the one where the palace is mm-hmm. on Naboo. And so, um. Always makes me think of a Dr. Seuss word. Theed? Yeah, it just feels like a Dr. Seuss word. Foxes don't sneeze, they feed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically there's, uh, 
it's the end of the war. This is in the third book, I believe, which is called Empire's End. And so the war against the between the rebellion and the empire is obviously very close to an end. And there's a lot of war orphans. And uh, so there's just... Warfans. Warfans. There's loads and loads of warfans coming in to Thede because Thede's kind, Naboo's kind of like a um, sanctuary. It's kind of like a... You can tell they're very... What's the... Uh, philanthropic. And so they're taking care of these kids. Um, but there's this one kid. I can't remember his name. But he... Uh, he was like this... He was a... Like hurt or injured or deformed or something from being near an explosion or something. So all these other kids are getting adopted by families who either lost their kids or they just want to help, you know, the effort or whatever. And this kid's got like he's burnt or he's deformed somehow because of stuff that he's that he's been close to during the war. And so he feels like he's not wanted. So that's it's really sad, you know. And so he's walking through and. Uh, he hears these other kids talk about the clown. We're waiting for the clown. We're waiting for the clown. And uh, this is probably like, you know, a year or two or three after Return of the Jedi. And so then here comes this clown. And it's this old, they talk about it's a Gungan, but his skin is is more, you know, gray or brown at this point in his life than orange because he's old. And when I'm reading this, I'm actually listening to it on Audible. And as I'm listening to it, I'm like, bro, what is, is this Jar Jar? And I was kind of sad. I was like, oh my God, he's old. Like, I don't know, you just think about a character that you like and as they get older, like seeing Han Solo old, I was like, oh no. Like, I just always picture him from like Empire Strikes Back. So they're talking about this old Gungan and he's called the Clown. And he just basically, his his whole goal in life at this point, and it does turn out he's Jar Jar, um, but his goal in life is just to be a friend to these orphans. And as these kids are waiting, like, to be adopted or these refugees are being brought in whose parents died during the war, um, as they're just kind of wandering around the streets, he goes and he'll go on the street corner and he'll, you know, he'll do, or he'll be in the fountain and he'll do, like, you know, in The Fate of Menace, he has those crazy jumps when he's going into underwater. So he does all these things and, and uh, the kid asks him, like, so what do you, you know, What's your name? And he says, well, most people just call me the clown. Um, and he said, basically, the kids love me, but the adults aren't really fans. And um, they're like, well, what's wrong? You know, what happened? And he said, well, um, I made a lot of mistakes a long time ago, and I thought I was helping, but I wasn't. And um, everything that's going on right now, I was a part of it at the beginning. And the Gungans don't won't even look at me. And the... The Naboo, which are the humans, um, they think that I was one of the ones that helped start the empire, and it's not true. And it was just really sad because it was a story, and it basically kind of, it's, I mean, he is responsible inadvertently for a lot of things that went down, but it's really sad because he says the adults, they don't care for me so much, but the kids love me. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a sad but sweet homage to Jar Jar as a character, and also to, again, my empathy for Ahmed Best kind of came through because I was like, dang, this actor, like, he was just trying to do what he was trying to do, and all the kids loved this character, and the parents didn't, and then whether it's the parents influence the kids or the kids get older and it's not cool to like that anymore, Jar Jar is Puff the Magic Dragon. You get older, and there's the girls, and there's the other stuff, and Jar Jar's not cool anymore, How and he's you. hung out to dry. Although Puff is Puff way cooler. Puff was betrayed. 
he was. But um, just it's just sad. And so to me, it was just, it was a nice homage. And uh, as of now, that's the latest canon mention of Jar Jar. And so it's just a sad send-off. And, um, and so, uh, and we looked up last week, like the lifespan of a Gungan is like 60 or 70 years. Yes, that was and the very end of his life. He would have been very old at this point. By the way, I looked it up. Um, there won't be any rendering to help you visualize old man Jar Jar. I couldn't find any concept or fan art. No. Hmm. I mean, I imagine it's kind of like, you know, Captain Tarpoles is kind of older and grayer, greener looking. Yeah. I imagine as you get older, Maybe they kind little of... catfish little whiskers. catfish whiskers are coming out. Yeah, Jar Jar must have been pretty young in The Phantom Menace. He was 20. Yeah. We looked it up. So, it's just as sad. To me, it's just... It's Which, a, imagine how clumsy you have to be to be banished by the time you're like 20 years old. Well, the story goes clumsy. that he was working at like a a petting zoo or something, and he accidentally let the animals out, and they like crashed a party that the king was throwing or something like that. Um, Classic Jar Jar. But this leads us to the supreme oh finale, which is the legend it's the worst fan theory that caught traction of our generation. It's probably the best fan theory that caught traction because it's so outlandish. I don't care. Think that it's of other fan it theories. It's just, just like, terrible. like okay, when you're a writer, I think the reason I hate it is because it terrifies me that like somebody might have like like an actual writer would yeah. have caught in hold of that and then it would have become canon. I would have hated it. That's what I think. That I was, would have been wild. I think I was scared of it. Well, it's, why it, I we're it. safe now, unless Doomcock is correct, and we're going back and redoing the trilogy. Darth Jar Jar no. is Supreme Leader Snoke. Okay, so here's the here's the theory. Okay, so this started probably, I mean, probably like five or six years ago now, because this was before the Force Awakens came out, and there was a Reddit user by the name of Lumpawaru. Which is short for, or uh, goes by Lumpy for short, which is, that's Chewbacca's son um, from Legends. And so, um, I think he's canon now. But anyways, Lumpawaru uh, has this theme, and uh, he has basically an argument for why Jar Jar is a Sith Lord, and he's actually been in charge of what's been going on in the galaxy this whole time, and he's actually the one running things, because... When, when we were told about Snoke at first, it kind of looked like, oh, so Snoke has been pulling Palpatine's strings this whole time. Now, in retrospect, we understand that Palpatine was pulling Snoke's strings. Mm. But when The Force Awakens... I mean, remember when The Force Awakens was coming out and it was like, holy crap, Snoke is... Nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. And when you saw when you saw trailers or when you heard like snippets or, you know, they would release like, he's a mysterious so-and-so... Like, there was all these rumors we going around. We finally had a villain that was, like, the true counterpart of Yoda. Right. Or even, like, species-wise. You are saying things that I'm going to talk about in a second, and you don't even know it yet. Go ahead. But, like, he was just, I don't know. Like, Ben Shapiro said that uh, Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson were criminally underused mm-hmm. in, in The Phantom Menace. That's how, kind of how I feel about Snoke as a character. Like, I feel like he was... Kind of wasted. He, yeah, he was... I feel I like that's love, just a, a trend in, I would in the love sequel trilogy. to know... Where Snoke and Phasma were hyped up so much and then really came to nothing. Well, that's... I mean, that's that's all Star Wars except for the original trilogy. Darth Maul? I... Well... Count Dooku? I think Jango yes Fett. and no just because there wasn't so much social media coverage of Star Wars 
when the prequel trilogy came out. Yeah, that, but when episode one was coming out, I remember even though I was only like six years old, I remember it being Darth Maul everything, everywhere. He was bad to the bone. But he still got screen time. We still got to have the whole Duel of the Fates fight scene. We got yeah, nothing like that from Fasmore Snoke. That's true, that's true. The fight scene was pretty sick. You know, I mean, we still got to see him do stuff. We yeah, still why got didn't to know we about see him. Snoke do something? Right. Remember when Kylo was going to stand up and Snoke zapped him like across the room right. and it was off the floor. He was like bounced past and shocked him. Okay, so here's the theory before I get off track because I'm still a Snoke guy. Um, uh, it says, let's establish Jar Jar is a skilled warrior. Why doesn't necessitate himself a connection to the physical force? It's highly suggestive in the Star Wars universe. We very rarely see normal characters exhibiting extraordinary stunt work or physical feats unless they are a Jedi, a Sith, or Force-sensitive. And it says, here's Jar Jar nonchalantly executing a standing 20-foot twisting somersault. And it's when he's like, how do I Yeah, I think it's because he's basically an amphibian. Okay, but let's just hear me out. Okay? You ever seen how far a frog can jump compared to its body length? It's outrageous. Um, it says, taken out of context, if you're just watching a Star Wars movie and saw a character casually execute this maneuver, you'd think, oh yeah, that's a Jedi. In context, of course, Jar Jar is not, um, and says, but he's so thoroughly convincing us that he's nothing more than a harmless dunce with an inane, inane dialogue and cowardly, cowardly lion act. Um, so the idea is, um, it says, uh, well, what if it's just luck? And it says, but don't forget, Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope says, there's no such thing as luck. And so it's just this long list of Jar Jar uh, being... A martial arts master it says here's a here's a video of him kipping up remember when he's underneath that tank and then qui-gon saves him and he he kips up like a like a like a ninja or something and it says here's um here's a video of him these are all gifts i'll send you the link to this later but it says here's him sloshing so basically they they show that jar jar's moves especially at the battle of feed when they're out there in the field with all the droids is very reminiscent of what's called the drunken fist uh, fighting style and uh, sloshing is when you like move like this back and forth and it's very fluid and the video of this guy professionally like showing you moves like this guy it's got freaking i think it's japanese like titles on the side of what it is like it's a professional instructional video of drunken master and it's a video and jar jar looks like he's doing the exact same thing and then it says now watch as he sweeps the leg and it shows when that droid is attached to his foot at the end of the Phantom Menace, and he's like, sweep the leg, and it shoots the battle droid. And it says, now watch this in slow motion and tell me he doesn't dodge a blaster bolt at the beginning of this clip. And if you watch it, he's like, and then sweeps the leg. Um, it says, here's a video of him centering himself, preparing for his force jump at the edge of the pond. And he goes, before he jumps up, and he goes, now here is Z-Quan comparison, and it's the same instructional video, and there's this guy that's, you know, a professional martial artist, and he's like, before he's about to do his work, he says, here's an ambush when they're hiding from the droids at the top of that catwalk, and he goes, of course, the Jedi are using the Force to conceal their presence uh, and to be quiet and stop their, you know, tread lightly, but of course, nobody saw Jar Jar either. Why is that? Uh, it just goes off. It says, here he is in slow motion, jumping down, not even being seen. Uh, he has master mind control. He talks, uh, he talks Padme into letting him uh, be promoted to the Senate. So that answers that question. Here he is using force persuasion as his, he uses his hands towards the entire Senate to convince them to create the clone army. Um, it says, and perhaps with the force here, he is ushering in the death of democracy. This argument reminds me of me in debate in high school when 
my... I mean, you'd have to be like the devil's advocate when my whoever was like prepping the cases would drop the ball and they would miss an argument and we wouldn't have any files to like combat the argument ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And so I would just base my entire argument on hypotheticals. And it would like... It would really piss off the other team because it would be baseless. And mm-hmm. I would literally have the judges laughing. Like, I lost every time, but I was having a good time with it. Yeah. That's what this reminds me of. It says, uh, if you want to lend even the slightest credence to these above points and acknowledge the possibility that Jar Jar may not be an idiot. Oh, he's just going for, like, You're almost forced to conclude that Jar Jar Binks and Chief Palpatine are co-conspirators. Oh if Jar Jar is putting forth an elaborate act to deceive people, it means he's not a well, fool. they are both from Naboo. And if he's not a fool... Hello? And if he's not a fool, it means his actions in episode two that facilitate Palpatine's plans are not those of an unwitting tool. They are those of a partner. Remember, Palpatine and Jar Jar were from the same planet. That's like what you said. Uh, which is the scale of Star Wars universes like growing up next door neighbors. It's entirely possible that they knew each other before the Phantom Menace. Perhaps they trained together or oh they trained God. one another. Oh and Bro. Naboo is a really strange planet. Actually, remember the before odd ancient statues uh, with the, the third planet. eye? Naboo is kind of a place of an outcast Gungan might find a Sith holocron or two. No, it is not. Um, it says, um, and it, so basically it goes on to say, uh, now here was a very interesting thought, okay? Now this is just a thought. Um, but when Jar Jar was first introduced in 99, of course, kind of like similar to the aftermath thing, uh, kids were fans, adults were not fans, right? And so uh, George, I know, is going to tell his own story. But I do think that he also listens to the fans to an extent and kind of pulls things back or pushes things forward or whatever. You know, listening to fans talk about Darth Maul was underused and then boom, George, who was in charge of the Clone Wars alongside Dave Filoni, is the one that brings him back. He he brings Dave Filoni in and goes, hey, we're going to bring Darth Maul back. And Dave Filoni's like, okay, so what part of him are we bringing back? He was cut in half, you know, and, and George is like, here's how it's going to work. So he listens to fans. So here's the here's another theory, I, or it kind of runs in the line of Jar Jar Jar. What if he is the yin to Yoda's yang, where when we meet Yoda, he's silly. Think about that. When we first meet Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back, let me finish. When you first meet Yoda, he's like, oh, oh, mine, 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 give me that back. And he's like hitting R2 with that stick. And he's like, oh, you seek Yoda. Oh, you know, being all crazy. And then he says... Um, you know, he's he's in the hut and he's like, I will take you to him. Yes, we yes, there. yes. Get to the point. And then, you know, finally he kind of wisens up and goes, too old. He's too old to begin the training. And like his demeanor just shifts. And this weird, also amphibian looking, frog looking character is the wisest Jedi of all time. It's Master Yoda. And so the thought was... <clears throat> In the concept art, in the concept storyboards, before the filming all you know gets done, Jar Jar was going to be an assassin that kills Qui Gon and works hand in hand with, you know, the bad guys. Whether that's with the Emperor or with, you know, Gunray, we don't know. <coughs> but the concept is, what if Jar Jar Phantom Menace is a fool, but really he's the guy that's infiltrating the Republic? And because of fan backlash in episode two, instead of being the bad guy, Jar Jar is replaced by none other than Christopher Lee, Count Dooku. The thought was maybe he, they were going to play the long con. And in that little five or ten minute segment that we see in Empire Strikes Back where Yoda goes from drunken idiot frog guy to Jedi Master, 
maybe this guy goes from drunken idiot frog guy to Sith Master, and he was going to be who Count Dooku ended up being. Safe to say, though, that didn't happen. Thank God. So, here's fingers crossed that Doomcock DVD player or whatever on YouTube is right, and we get Darth Jar Jar in the future. Do you really want that, Beyonce? <clears <clears <throat> no, but it'd be that? funny. Okay. No, nobody wants it. You know what I do want? A, a Jar Jar Binks six-inch Black Series figure, and I'm not going to stop saying it every episode till we get one. Hasbro. For a while. Now, you seven viewers out there, share this. <laughs> So we get some waves going. Um, but you know what? I think at the end of the day, I love Jar Jar's character. I have very fond memories of him. He's essential to the Star Wars storyline. You can't convince me otherwise. And He's um, replaceable. Anyone's replaceable almost. Most folks are replaceable. The story could change. Remember in episode six where, where Leia says she remembers her mother when she was young? And then the story just changed and she died in childbirth. Maybe Darth Jar Jar is going to make a return. Oh, Maybe Leia went to therapy where she tried to find her repressed memories and they were all dreams or imaginations and she thinks they're real. And then maybe we wake up and this whole episode 789 has been a dream and they weren't real. It turns out Jar Darth Jar Jar has been manipulating the thing the whole time. If Snoke would have been Jar Jar, I think it... Everybody would have had a huge backlash, but it would have been interesting. Last thing before we go, Rose or Jar Jar? Don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you had to keep one in the Star Wars canon, who would it be? Rose or Jar Jar? Jar Jar. We'll see you guys next week on the Chess Ascendancy. Oh, Don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. Find us on Instagram uh, at the Chess Ascendancy. And uh, please share this, like this video, subscribe, comment. Hey, and turn on that notification bell so you know when we come out with new content. I refuse to let him have the last word without a fitting tribute to the real Dark Lord, Sheev Palpatine. And his master. Just kidding. We'll see you guys next week. Don't forget. The real Dark Lord said, the only family you have here is me. And then he lit up the world. Yeah, that was pretty sick. Yeah. Jar Jar could never. That's it. Bye, everybody.